Rebuilding Your Life, Moving from Disaster to Prosperity with Susan Shireko, where we help you transform your life by changing what you're telling yourself. Whatever your circumstances, you can experience health, financial security, and a sense of well-being once again. And now, here's your host, Susan Shireko. On behalf of Rebuilding Your Life Radio and the Train Your Brain, Claim Your Power calls, welcome. Mark Philip Mark Ames is the author of Jesus Christ Revealed, which is an understanding of the apocalypse. He's written numerous books, and he's also the eighth of 12 children, the son of a preacher uh, who's uh, part of the Church of the Nazarene. He's been into the Word all his life, traveled extensively, and has been one of the teachers at the Bible Institute. So he has a great background for the topic we're going to be talking about today. Let's wave our hands to welcome Philip Mark Ames. Welcome, Philip. Well, thank you, Susan. I want to know how many books have you written? Uh, I have written eight, and that includes, besides the ones on end times prophecies and so forth, Bible things, I have written or co-written a book which is the biography, actually autobiography, of a missionary who spent 50 years in missionary work, mostly in Central America. And I helped him write his book. (laughs) Basically, he gave me all the information and I wrote it for him. Uh, That's wonderful. I think that they must have such interesting lives because it's not oh, yes. your your normal environment. Mm. How did he, mm. you become aware of him? I happened to meet him through a friend of a friend who had been a friend of his for many years and had been, um, he, he knew that uh, Charles Moore wanted to write his autobiography but didn't feel confident in doing it himself and wanted help. And so this friend of a friend, when he did meet me, he introduced me to Charles Moore, and uh, mm-hmm. the rest is, as I say, history. history. Yes, yes, yes. So, so the book that we're talking about today is, a, is actually a series. It's Jesus Christ Revealed, and it's in multiple books. Uh, how did you come to write these? Yes, I, I'm, I am finishing the seventh volume now, which is the last volume. And uh, I came to write them because I felt like Jesus Christ wanted me to write them. He, uh, he, through the Holy Spirit, had given me the understanding over a period of 50 years, starting in 1970. And uh, so I began writing them uh, in 1999, and it has taken me this long to get to the seventh volume I am uh, writing one book, or have been writing one book for each, I, I should say one volume, for each of John's seven visions. Most people don't know he had seven visions, but he did. And uh, each vision, I have written one volume for each vision. And uh, the seventh vision, of course, includes the uh, basically the millennium and all the things happening regarding that. And that's what I'm working on right now. Right. Okay. Well, now, I, I would say, uh, from my own personal perspective, I, I have you know, the Holy Spirit and Jesus have not 
told me to do anything like this. It's a grand, you know, project to take on. Did you ask them, tell us, reveal to me what's going on? Or did they, this was just, you know, you're zapped on the head by the fairy godmother. (laughs) (laughs) Well, back in 1970, um, I was praying and uh, it was in April and I felt the Holy Spirit came upon me in a way that I had never felt before. And it was like Jesus Christ was standing beside me and put his armor on my shoulder and said, you belong to me. And that was just a wonderful experience. Well, a week later, it was a Sunday evening, April 26, I was reading the book of Revelation. Actually, I've been reading it for several times and praying for the understanding of it. I think what happened was that uh, Jesus put into my heart the desire, almost an obsession, to understand the book of Revelation. And so that evening, as I was praying, I was reading again, and when I got to the beginning of the fourth chapter of Revelation, where Jesus tells John to come up here into heaven, as I continued reading there, I was understanding it as if I were reading it for the first time in my own language. It was so clear and so completely understandable as I was reading chapter 4, 5, 6, and 7, and so on. It was just really exciting, and it was an answer to prayer. So I thought, oh, wow, this is exciting. (laughs) And uh, I didn't think that I needed to write it down until several years later, the Holy Spirit kept urging me to write what he had been teaching me. Mm. So it just sat there. You're percolating on it while while it all took meaning for you. So is there one... In in the process, I was doing a lot of research, history, science, technology, archaeology, et cetera, et cetera, to make sure that everything I was understanding was actually correct and agreed with reality. It wasn't just something in my mind. Mm. That's a heavy project to try to undertake all that. And the symbols and the uh, images that are, are overlaid with incredible interpretation over history. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and really want. Is there one particular message that that stands out after after reading and studying and writing and communicating uh being inspired um that about Christ or about what this all means? Yes, and that is that Jesus Christ is extremely involved and caring about the lives of everyone who has given their life to him. Whether they're rich or poor or whatever language, wherever they live, he cares so much about them and wants to answer their prayers. But kind of like a father who loves his children wants to hear from his children even after they're grown, more than they want to call their father or, you know, talk to him, spend time with him. Our father wants to have us communicate with him more than we even want to. And I've learned that from my study of the book of Revelation. So this is, as I understand it, a 
a good portion of Revelations is actually uh, John writing down what he was told by, by Christ Jesus, um, parallel to the seven churches that were in, were in place at that time. Does your series of books follow that? Well, yes. Um, my volume one is mostly all about the seven churches and not only those individual seven churches in the province of Asia Minor, which was a province of the, of the Roman Empire and, you know, during the first three centuries of the Christian era. Anyway, but that also everything that Jesus said about those seven churches was applicable, one church applicable to a much longer period of time in the whole church uh, history and wherever the, you know, all around the world, especially in the Roman Empire, because that was, you know, the time that it all began. And so I have done a study of the church history during the whole 2,000 years since the Church of Jesus Christ began. And I found that there is a parallel between the things that Jesus said to the church in Ephesus and the church of the first 300 years of Christianity. And each church has a parallel in a certain time period of uh, church history. And I, I, I make that clear for every one of the seven churches. Well, where uh, where are we now in terms of this history? What Which of the churches? Well, they all still exist, but the one that is the most um, popular right now is the very last one, the Church of Laodicea, which unfortunately is lukewarm. It's neither hot nor cold. And that mm-hmm. seems to be the condition of the church at large, especially in America and, and uh, Western Europe. I would certainly agree with that. Um, Philip, is there is a great deal of interest in revelations right now. I mean, people are, um, books are coming out, authors are, are being inspired. Uh, there is a real common talk about end times. Um, why is that? Because we are getting so close to the return of Christ. And both the Holy Spirit is at work. Jesus said seven times, to John, uh, to, for John to write to the churches, he said seven times, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And the Holy Spirit now is speaking to the churches all around the world, but not all of them are listening because they've got their own programs, their own agendas. But at the same time, the Holy Spirit is speaking, so is the arch enemy, the adversary, the devil. He wants to confuse people, and he wants them to believe explanations of the revelation that are not correct. And so you have a whole range of explanations, interpretations that are being uh, broadcast and distributed throughout the world. I could understand that. I mean, one of the major statements that come, I come away with from Revelations is the presence of false prophets and that yes. we will all be confused. There are so many false prophets 
And I agree, it is very confusing for people to try to discern without enough background to know which what is the truth in all of this. So we're talking about end times. That's very specific in terms of what what is described in Revelation as about to happen during that time. Uh, and so, and, and different people, different prophets disagree about where we are on this timeline. Um, where do you believe we are? Well, I believe that we are nearing the end of the Great Tribulation. And the Great Tribulation is mentioned twice in the book of Revelation, that term, Great Tribulation. And uh, most people don't... Uh, think of those two mentions of the Great Tribulation and Revelation as being the same as what Jesus spoke of as the Great Tribulation in the book of Matthew. However, I believe they are the same, and to understand that makes it easier to understand what the real Great Tribulation is, and when it started, and when it will end. And I believe that we are very close to beginning the last three and one half years of the Great Tribulation, which is the worst ever. And it will include the time of the Mark of the Beast, and uh, that will, will continue for actually 42 um, lunar months, because that's the type of months that are mentioned in the, mostly in the book of, uh, in the whole Bible, or the lunar months. And uh, so when John says it's going to take take place for 42 months. That would be 42 lunar months. It's not quite as long as three and a half solar years that we, you know, go by. So it's a little less than three and a half years for the mark of the beast to be imposed upon the whole world. But as we can see what is happening right now with the COVID virus and the vaccinations and the necessary proof that you've had a vaccination in order to, you know, participate in uh, a lot of different things. It is very quickly leading up to the time of the mark of the beast when you have to have that on your hand or forward in order to even buy or sell anywhere. So that's where I see that we are. That's where you see it from there. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I just heard recently that in Latin America somewhere, they have already begun to put biochips of some sort into people and that several thousand people already carry these biochips that tell them, you know, allow them to buy and sell and mm-hmm. without, you know, would very quickly become, you know, replacing money. Um, and also the one world government. There seems to be a real push to get us to that place, which is also mentioned in Revelation. So, yes. so what happens it, it, at the end of the tribulation? At the end of the tribulation, the resurrection of all those dead in Christ will be complete. And they will be waiting just a few days or weeks for the rapture to take them off to heaven to meet Jesus Christ in heaven, or in the, in the air, actually. And at the same time, right as this tribulation for Christians and Jews ends, the last seven plagues will begin to be poured out upon all those who oppose Jesus Christ. And that is the majority of the world. And will, you know, it has been in, in recent years, the percentage of those who are Christians has been getting lower and lower 
and the percentage of those who are uh, non-Christians like communists and uh, Muslim and so forth that do not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that is increasing in numbers. And, uh, and so as the seven last plagues are poured out upon the world, only a few, like the 144,000 Israelites that are sealed by God, will be protected by his divine hand. And all the rest will be subject to the seven different plagues that will be poured out upon the earth. And right after all that is done, then just shortly after that, well, actually right at the end of the pouring out of the plagues, the rapture will take place and Christians will go to heaven. And then shortly after that, Jesus will come back to confront all the rest of his enemies who are still alive on earth. And that is called the Battle of Armageddon. And Armageddon, is that, does that destroy the earth completely? Or Oh, no, no, no. It's just a, Armageddon is the, um, it's also called the Valley of Jehoshaphat and the Valley of uh, Jezreel. It's over in northern Israel, and it's a large area, it's flatland, a plain, and um, it is right near the, the mountain of Megiddo. That's why it's called Armageddon. And that is mm. where the battle is going to take place. It will be led by the beast that is mentioned in Revelation chapter 13 and 17. And the ten horns of that beast will be actually fighting against Jesus Christ himself. And uh, that big battle will be completely won by Jesus. He will be victorious over all those armies of the world that have come against him and against the nation of Israel. This is now this is based on the biblical language and not everybody's paying attention to the, to the biblical words. They're actually, you know, making up their own version of this. Yeah. Um, yeah. you feel that it's really important that that we stay close to the Bible. Oh yes, absolutely. It's God's love letter to us. And uh, he tells us so much in there about how, and examples are given about how we can please him. The one who loved us so much, he gave his only begotten son to die for us. And uh, we don't always show the appreciation that we should. And reading the Bible and studying it and praying on it, you know, praying about what we're reading, is very helpful in keeping us close to Jesus Christ. Now, is this is a funny question, I imagine, but the 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 sense of revelations and of destruction and of the numbers who will will perish um, is so overwhelming for anybody who has ever sinned, kind of thing. Is there hope in the prophecy? Oh yes, absolutely. All that anybody has to do is repent of their sins, no matter how many sins or how few, whatever they've done. Jesus said the only sin that's not forgivable is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And that can only be done by somebody who knows that the Holy Spirit is at work in the life of a Christian and says that it's not. You know, basically, like when, when the, when the uh, Pharisees said that Jesus Christ was performing his miracles by the power of Satan, 
and they knew it was the Holy Spirit. That's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. It's not an easy thing to, you know, that anybody can just accidentally blaspheme the Holy Spirit. But that is the only unforgivable sin. All other sins, no matter what they are, including murder and, and theft and all the sins that are mentioned in the Bible as being, you know, displeasing to God, all of those are forgivable. And all the person has to do is accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and repent of their sins and follow Jesus, follow the example of other Christians who have been following Jesus. And they will be spared the destruction that is coming upon all those who rebel against God knowingly, intentionally. That sounds almost too simple. I think, you know, it's, I, I hear it when people place a call, you know, to call to the altar and that sort of thing, and to, to believe so much that, that you can be totally forgiven and don't have to think about that anymore. We, we live in a world in which we condemn ourselves continuously. How do we come to that place where we realize it's true? We will be forgiven. Well, for one thing, we just got to try it. We've got mm. to basically, once a person learns that they're being offered that kind of salvation, they just have to accept it and basically say the words and mean them that they believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and they are sorry for the sins they've committed and are going to do their best not to commit sins anymore. And it Jesus will give them the Holy Spirit, which will help them to keep that decision to avoid sins as much as possible. Now, also, that Holy Spirit, according to the book of Romans, actually bears witness with our spirit that we are indeed children of God. And that's basically what happened to me on that evening that I was telling you about in April of 1970. I felt that the Holy Spirit was confirming with me that I was indeed a child of God and that he would finish the work that he had started in me. And that's a, a promise to everybody that accepts Jesus Christ as their Savior and receives his Holy Spirit. It says very clearly in the Bible, in the New Testament, that the work that the Holy Spirit has started in you will be completed. And so you have to allow the Holy Spirit to continue to work in your life for the rest of your life. And don't ever turn against the Holy Spirit and blaspheme him. And most Christians are never going to do that anyway, but that is the only unforgivable sin. This is, there's something in here, the fact that you remember that date so clearly. You know, it, it has to have been a very profound moment for it to steer into your brain. And, and I imagine um, the Apostle Paul feels the same way because of the, you know, the change that happened to him. Um, yes, on the road to Damascus. You know, right, mm -hmm. you know, that, that you can never forget what a profound moment that is in your life. So, um, what a blessing. Um, you have you've kept 
true to the Bible, you've done all the research you possibly could to make sure that you were close to the biblical interpretations. And, of course, I don't know how you chose which version of the Bible. There are so many, and the translations are many, you know, they're not always the same. Yes, I, uh, of course, grew up um, with the King James Version. That's what mm-hmm. my, my father used, you know, most of his life, all of his life, actually. And uh, so I was not confused by the wording of the King James Version. And when I have researched, I've, I've read a lot of other versions, too, including NIV, the New American Standard, et cetera, et cetera, um, you know, and uh, the Revised Standard and also paraphrases and so forth. And I have found, since I have compared these with the actual Hebrew and Greek, I'm not an expert in Hebrew and Greek, but I can use the lexicons and I can use the Bible dictionaries and I can use the interlinear translations and find out that the one that is closest to the original meaning in Hebrew and Greek is the King James. Uh, but for the book of uh, the book of uh, Jesus Christ Revealed, the seven volumes that I have been writing and uh, publishing, I have used my own translation, literal, literal translation from the Greek that, uh, as it was written by the Apostle John, into English. And the wording is a little bit, you know, it's not the same syntax as we have in English. But it's understandable. And uh, so that's what I've used so that the people reading what I have written can see how it was worded exactly in the um, New Testament as it was written by John in the Greek language. This is, um, Philip, you you have actually created a supplemental document that goes along with a series um, of books of seven volumes and calculated an end date. Um, I have to ask you, why should people believe that you have the correct date? Well, uh, a book that I first wrote in the year 2013 and then uh, did the second edition of it, a little bit revised for the second edition in 2017, is called The Time-Telling Prophecies of Daniel. And every one of the prophecies in the book of Daniel has a time factor attached to it. And once the Holy Spirit began showing me the meaning of all those prophecies in the book of Daniel and what event took place to begin the time period that is mentioned in each prophecy. And therefore, once I knew the date that each of those things began and the amount of number of years that that would come to the final event that those prophecies were leading up to, I was able to use all that information and compare it with the time periods mentioned in the book of Revelation. And so... It's not really guesswork. It's, and, and by the way, I did an extensive study of the history that goes along with the book of Daniel. And I created on my computer a calendar that 
gives all the dates of the things that took place in the time of Daniel and and so forth, uh, Solomon and all those other people in the Old Testament. The events that are recorded in the Old Testament that have any kind of a time period attached, I was able to put that on the calendar. And this calendar gives the uh, dates of, you know, basically it goes all the way back to the creation of Adam and all the way through to our own time period. It uses the Greek calendar, it uses the Roman calendar, it uses the Hebrew calendar, and that's all was done uh, because I was able to study how all the calendars were put together in my research. And therefore, I am able to get those dates for the beginning of the things mentioned in the book of Daniel correct and exact. And therefore, the things that I have mentioned as dates for something in recent history like the um, uh, 1967 reclaiming Jews reclaiming the old city of Jerusalem and the Temple Mount. That was one mm-hmm. of those things that was prophesied in the book of Daniel and gave an exact date for it to happen. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> June, June 7, 1967. 67, and that was foretold in the book of Daniel. That's just one of the many. And uh, so that's why I have confidence in the dates that I've given in the um, the books that I've written and the flyer that I had that goes along with the book. Mm-hmm. It's a fascinating uh, culmination. Um, far too close for people who are uh, not believing at this moment in time. Uh, the, yeah. There should be a mass attempt to reach humanity at this point. Um, well, thank you, Philip. I we could talk about this for a very, very long time. Those two, I just hope you know, people, that people will read the books and then, uh, you know, then they will understand uh, the things that I've written. Well, there is there is a, in the beginning of Revelations itself. People are invited to read the book, and those that read the book will be blessed. Yes. And you know, I think you know to have have others read your book with the work you've put into it and making it part of contemporary history, where we are, is is something to be considered by people because they too will be blessed to have that kind of information available to them. So those who are aware of Revelations, you know, have interpreted this message um, since its writing. And it's one of, for me, it's one of the great mysteries. There's some people who dwell on the signs and some people dwell on the symbols. Uh, but, I really thank you for sharing and you know pouring pouring your energy into pointing out the two believers uh that the you know there is a a direction of this planet it is foretold and we are you know we will be in the midst of it right now uh and and then they have a chance to go out and teach others the same thing so thank you very much for your work I'd also like to thank uh, our listeners. As the events of the end time appear to be unfolding, we will each be faced with decisions about where we stand. Do we stand with Christ or do we stand in this morass of opinion where our own personal opinion and what we think is right takes more weight than what is, has been written since beginning of time in the Bible. So, May your faith sustain you. Thanks again, Philip. I really appreciate your being on the call. 
and thank you for having me. Well, that's all for our call today, folks. Have a great day. Thank you very much for tuning in today. If you've been inspired by this show, leave a rating or review on iTunes and visit www.rainbowsoverruins.com to receive a free chapter from Susan's book. On behalf of Susan Shereko, this has been Rebuilding Your Life, Moving from Disaster to Prosperity, sharing the journeys of those affected by sudden and great loss and what they did to heal, rebuild, and where they are now.